0: Hello, Redemption Cell, friends and family out there. Uh, this whole deal, it's a little bit weird for me. Uh, not necessarily that I'm speaking to a camera. Uh, more so, I am really used to every sermon that I give or teaching that I give. It normally starts out with something like, it's good to be here with you this morning, and yet that just doesn't exactly land very well at the moment. But Uh, One thing it does do is it begins to kind of put some things into perspective for us. Um, The routine of our life, the ritual, the the pace that we live it at has this kind of uh, numbing effect on us if we're not careful. And now in this radical deconstruction of uh, our routine of life and our church routine, all of a sudden what this serves to do is it kind of clarifies for us the blessing that we have in the church family. How beautiful of a gift it is that Christ would shed his blood for us. And then the fountain of his blessing wouldn't stop just upon our salvation. He also created a brand new body and invites us to be a part of it together. Let that sit on you with the full force that it should today. He was crushed to invite us in and build us up in his body. Christ's body was broken to the point of death to create a new body and invite you into it. there's ever a time where the distractions are are maybe a little bit smaller than than normal, it could be now, and my initial prayer for us is this, in this current state of affairs, that this would help us out by profoundly stirring our affections for the body of Christ, for the church, for each other. Uh, And and not just that that would be stirred, also that our affections for Christ would be stirred. Oh, that there would be a Savior who would die to create something to invite us into. May we see that. I would encourage you while you're listening to kind of see the unique opportunity that you have. Uh, This isn't a live sermon. You're not sitting out there in front of me. This also isn't a live stream, which means it's totally okay if you pause it. It's not going to mess anything up. So the best thing for you may be this at this point when you're listening to this message, actually to pause it and take a moment to connect with God, Uh, to seriously stop and begin to thank him for the blessing of the church body that he has given to you and adopted you into. And maybe even begin to pray in expectation and joy for the day that we get to get back together again. We let so many moments pass us by, moments of worship worship, or moments of prayer, motion, moments of encouragement, but maybe this shouldn't be one of those for you. Maybe it'd be just great to slow down, reverse the trend and figure out that maybe the most formative thing that you could do right now is, is pause this and connect your heart and soul to God by thanking him for uh, the body. I wonder if you would do that. Uh, on a side note, I mean, I won't be offended. I won't even know if you pause it, but it might be the best thing for you today. This week or in this time together, uh, we're going to take a break from the sermon series that we are in. Don't worry, Ephesians is still my sa- my favorite book. We will loop back to the message that we're supposed to be into. And we're still even going to end up in Ephesians with some of the things that we'll talk about today. But we're, we're going to look a little bit differently than what we thought uh, I have a three-point sermon created today, which if you know me, that's happened like one time in the history of the church. It's a little bit weird, but it took COVID-19 for me to make a three-point sermon, but, but here it is. The three points that I want to discuss with us together and I want to preach to and exhort over us uh, really look at, one, what has happened. The second is we've all been here before. And the third is it's all still true. Those are the points that we want to cover. The first, what has happened? There has been almost a whiplash effect to the meteoric rise of the coronavirus. Yeah, we heard about it. We saw some things on the news and we saw some stuff that kind of looked serious over in China. But I don't know if it's the American swagger inside of us that makes us feel invincible or maybe it was just willful denial. But we kind of thought that it would never really touch us. And then Italy shut down, and everything started to change really fast for us. Just looking at the timeline of how things changed and how quickly they escalated, on Tuesday, March uh, the the 10th, we were told that we could not gather in groups of 1,000 or more. And when I heard that, I'm like, hey, I generally don't do that on Tuesday, so it's not that big of a deal. But then on Friday, March the 13th, we were told... that that no one in our nation could gather in a group of 250 or more. And And that kind of escalates it. But then on Sunday night, on March 15th, we were told that we could not gather in groups of 50 or more. All of a sudden that landed right on us at Redemption's Hill. And on Monday, March the 16th, we were told we couldn't gather in groups of 10 or more. On that same day, we were informed that our schools would close for at least a month, maybe longer. On Tuesday, March 17th, we had the first case of COVID-19 confirmed in Boone County. It's not just something out there. Now it's actually here. And then two days later, on Thursday, March 19th, we had another case, but we also had our first death. With all of this, the general sentiment of our city became fear and isolation. It's safe to say that in our lifetime, we've never seen anything like this. A distant sickness spreads like wildfire and shuts down everything about our lives in about a week. As we look around, it's weird. Schools are empty. Toilet paper is a commodity. The news feeds are lined with, with panic. Grocery stores don't have hardly any meat. My wife, Allison, went to Sam's to try and stock up on, on rice, and they didn't, they didn't even have any white rice. It feels like we're in a dream that we can't wake up, or maybe we're in a movie, but, but we don't have the luxury of yelling cut and walking off the stage. This is our life right now. And the difficult part is there's really no end in sight to this. Those fast-moving changes in the, in the world out there, they also swept into our church life. Sunday gatherings for our church and churches all over uh, the, the nation that would heed uh, the, the warnings that have been placed out. Uh, our, our Sunday gatherings for all of us have been suspended for an unknown amount of time. We literally do not know when we'll have a Sunday gathering like we did just a while back again. Public worship as the entire body, it's not a possibility. Communion as the entire body to celebrate the body and blood of Jesus' sacrificed for us. That's not a possibility. Right now, even missional community, face-to-face, having the full group of our missional community together, that's not even possible. All of that landed on our doorstep in neck-breaking speed. And now it just sits there ominously. These unknown times have caused us to see The viral nature of fear in our country. And by fear, I don't mean the common sense appropriate response to a very dangerous virus. Fear is not respecting a threat to our lives and other people's lives. The viral fear that I'm talking about is this thing that consumes people so fully that all of their mental and emotional space is just gone. This viral fear grows as people begin to kind of think, well, all is lost. It's over. This is where our country is at, where a lot of people are at. And it may be actually where you're at as well. But I want to begin to kind of spread some hope as well. The first point's hard. But where do we rebuild? How do we find beauty, even the difficulty of where we're at? Well, point two, we've been here before. While it's true, like we've never actually been here before, like we've never dealt with COVID-19 before, the church has multiple times, in places all over the world had to deal with this situation where it was not able to gather in public locations in large numbers. This isn't new at all, actually. For many reasons in many places, this has happened throughout all history. You see it in the New Testament, and it's never really stopped. There's always been a point or a place where where, where the church could not gather. And here's what our hearts need to hear clearly in this exact moment. When this happens, when the church cannot meet in a a big public building or in a big uh, public crowd, when that happens to the church, historically, the church does not die. It actually thrives. Christians meeting in different ways and in different modes most often galvanizes the faith of the believers. It doesn't crush it. It doesn't shatter it. It actually makes it stronger. It blossoms in this spot. John Piper said it well. The church in the New Testament is always, without exception, people and not places. So when sickness comes knocking at our door and and we can't gather in the groups that we normally do, or when the government is persecuting the Christian faith and, and the church has to go underground, or even when good stewardship kind of demands that, that, that a church not pay rent to get a storefront and they have to gather in smaller groups, none of that automatically destroys the church when it happens. Because the church is the people of God, worshiping God however they can, wherever they can, and by whatever means they have available to them. Just because a large public gathering isn't in the cards right now, absolutely does not mean that we cease to be the church And I hope that you hear that. Us being the body doesn't stop until things get back to normal. It's actually kind of freeing, though, when you think about it. If church is not a building, then even if your building burns down, the church is actually kind of fine. If church is not a big crowd and you gather in groups of three, four, five or six, that's not a problem either because you're still God's people. If church is not a day of the week and you end up worshiping and praying with a group on a a Tuesday at your home, believe it or not, you're still the church right there. You're being the church. You might be surprised to learn that Christians in parts of China have had to deal with meeting in in super small groups long before COVID-19 ever came. They did this because... In certain places and at certain times, if the church were to gather and get too much momentum behind them, the government would step in and shut it down and actually send people to jail. Now, you would think that this situation where, well, you can't actually have a building and you can't have these nice things. And you can't meet in a big crowd. You, you would think that that would destroy the church and there would be no conversions and no fruit and no beauty. But the exact opposite is what is actually happening in that cultural climate. In this climate where churches meet in smaller groups and they're worshiping God in that way, that's actually where renewal and revival is spreading in the world. Think about it. In the West, our churches have by and large not grown very much spiritually. All the metrics say that the church in the West is actually dying, which just, it means it's shrinking We have big buildings, we have nice places, we have nice stuff, we have loads of technology, and we are free from persecution. We can gather whenever and however many people we want. And in that exact spot of ease, intention-free church life, our churches have sputtered and kind of stagnated. Why is this? We proverbially are set up for success, but our mission, our being the light of the world, our fruit, our conversions, our beauty, it doesn't seem like it's actually been very successful. It seems that the relative ease of gathering in, in, in large buildings with, with, with large crowds of, of people has caused this scenario where Christianity has become an event we all attend rather than a transformed life that we live that overflows with worship and obedience to Christ. Mark Sayers wrote... A whole book about this not long ago it's called the disappearing church and it talks about the phenomenon of just trying to gather people together or be relevant and how that actually is killing and destroying the church why is it that the church universally thrives in scenarios where it has to gather in homes or in different modes than in large spaces The answer seems to be she thrives in this form specifically because when the building is taken away and so are the crowds of people and when the event of church is is gone and with it the ability to only attend, when the event is gone and the amenities don't exist, all the church is left with is Jesus and the gospel and worship and prayer. And the reason the church thrives in this space is because Jesus is more than enough. We don't need the other stuff. We need him and his good news. Functionally, look at how the removal of an event changes everything about church. Well, worship is no longer a band of people singing to you. Worship is you singing to your God gospel proclamation isn't relegated to one person it's what the body does you speak truth to one and they speak it back to you and they speak it to to the other and, and the lord's supper isn't this long line to this table where you grab elements it's actually a meal which is kind of how jesus gave it to us and when church isn't an event Prayer isn't this neat transition from a leader in an event. It is actually what we do to connect with God the Father. When church isn't an event, confession also isn't a weird, airy idea. It's what honesty looks like amongst the people who are worshiping God together. See, when the event is taken away, the people of the church get to take ownership of their faith by personally being the church. How beautiful is that? The fluff is gone. The extra is gone. And what is left is pure faith in a beautiful king. Acts 2, verses 43, 42 through 47 talk a little bit about this, where people end up being the church by acting like the church. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves together to those. With glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This verse in Acts two it shows us the beautiful reality that can come to pass when the people of the church exist as being the church together. And I pray that we could catch a desire for this. Look at the amazing picture it paints. All came upon every soul. Guys, we're looking for awe. We pay a lot of money hoping that we can be awed. And as the people are being the church together, they're just overwhelmed and in awe of God in that place. Signs and wonders are being done. The people are living connected lives, sharing and caring for each other. They they met each other's needs, not living disconnected lives. And they'd even sell things if they needed to because someone uh, had a great need. They ate together. They were grateful together. They were generous together. They praised God together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. They ministered together. And the Lord added to their number. Man, what a beautiful, bold faith that they found. So while it's true that we can't do church in the way that we had been, Might it not be a gift and an opportunity to ask God to recreate us? To bring about something new so we can see this kind of Acts 2 thing happening in in, in Redemption's Hill and other churches across our nation can see it as well. Oh, that the, the, the event would be gone and the beauty of the church would be what remains. Man, yeah, there's some scary stuff out there. But we do really well when things get shaken up. Maybe God's doing that on purpose to reform us. Is it the way that we wanted to be reformed? Probably not. We probably wouldn't get there any other way. Point three it is all still true. So there are many people right now who don't know how to move forward, they're stuck. Because they don't know how do I believe that God is good and what he says is true while our lives are being turned upside down by the coronavirus. See, those two realities, they seem to be almost incompatible. Maybe they're incompatible for you right now. But I want to declare it over you and to you that the gospel, the good news of God is all still true, no matter if COVID exists or not. Our church has spent several months in the book of Ephesians together, and we've got to process these weighty, huge implications of the gospel together. Each and every person who is in Christ, whose faith is in Jesus for the problem of their sin, uh, each and every one of them has this reality given to them. Uh, Ephesians says that, that we are, if we are in Christ, we are loved. This is what is true. We are saved. We are reconciled. We are strengthened. We are called. We are equipped. We are renewed. We are sealed. We are filled. We are given an inheritance in Christ. The gospel is that we were once lost in our sin, dead spiritually to God and his kindness. We had no way to save ourselves, to fix ourselves, uh, to atone for what we had done. We, we could not get out of our situation on our own, but God was loving and merciful and kind. And he sent Jesus to make a way for us where we could find no way in ourselves. Jesus came down from heaven to enter into our story and fix our brokenness. He came and lived every command out that God had perfectly the way that none of us could. And then he died for the penalty of our sin, which he should have never had to do. All to give us a righteousness that we know we didn't earn. See, all of this, every single bit of it stands completely unaffected by COVID-19. None of it changes. With a wave of information and unknown coming for us, with sickness literally at our door, the one reality that we need to hear more than anything right now is the gospel is not gone. It's not void. God is bigger than the coronavirus. Hear these statements. COVID-19 did not put Jesus back in the grave. The tomb is still empty. COVID-19 did not erase the salvation of all who believe in Jesus. COVID-19 did not steal anyone's eternal inheritance. COVID-19 does not change anyone's standing before God. COVID-19 can literally do nothing to the blessings that we have in Christ. It cannot touch your soul. Yeah, it can make you sick. Can't touch your eternity though. COVID-19 and the quarantines that we may face don't take any of the blessings that we have, church. And hear me. Maybe the opposite is actually true. Maybe they actually give us a really unique opportunity to marinate in the grace and love of God in a way that we have never done before. Our routines and our idols and our habits and our pace of life are interrupted right now. We have a lot of time, a lot of margin that has never existed. For some of us, we have never had this much time since we were little children So with that time and that margin, could we see it maybe as an opportunity to dive into the love of God that is still there? Throw yourself into it. Man, don't waste your hours on Facebook and Netflix all of your time. What if right now is the time that God is going to use to radically rebuild and transform your faith? Maybe you've been living off of my faith or a missional community uh, person's faith or, or another person's faith. And all of a sudden, God has slowed you down and go, no, I want to build your own faith. Now, we've been running at an out of control speed for so long. We've all known that we need to slow down and haven't been able to. And maybe it's God's grace and mercy that he has forced us to now. And in this moment of slowdown, that he would change us from the inside out in ways that we never thought possible. Friends, that's my hope for myself, and it's my hope for you. All of a sudden, Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 is my prayer for us. In Ephesians, when we cover the first part of it as a church, over and over and over, we're seeing the implications of the gospel, the beauty of how big it is for the people of God. And they're saved and they're called and they're adopted. And all of that is is bigger than we can possibly wrap our minds around. And, And after Paul is done telling us all these beautiful realities of the gospel, he zooms in, he goes, okay, with all of that in mind, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father that you may be filled with the fullness of God. My prayer for us is this. In a time when many people feel panicked and weak, that you would be strengthened with power from the Holy Spirit in your inner being. That though the world around you seems chaotic, that you would feel stable. That you would feel the very presence of Christ in you and with you. That your faith would be ever increasing in the face of trial and unknown out there. Because you're being driven closer and closer and closer to the Savior who loves you so much. And the hope is that even while you're beginning to listen to this... That you would comprehend in a fresh way the unsearchable scale of God's love. You can't wrap your mind around it, but that it would become wider than you ever dreamed. That it would be deeper than you could have ever thought possible. That the borders of God's love would radically grow and blow your mind. Church, what a beautiful thing to have the fire of fear burning things to the ground around us while the savior of the world builds you up in him at the same time. I sincerely pray that you would feel anchored and immovable because of Christ. Here's the caveat, not anchored and immovable because of you because that'll never really help you. But that the love of Christ would grow in you, strengthen you, And then flow out of you. Here's the reality. Our city needs it. The world doesn't have the hope that we do. That doesn't mean that we are more valuable than they are. We just have a hope that they don't. And they're desperately going to need it over the coming weeks and months. We're barely into this thing. But there's going to be some dark days. And people will need the love and mercy of Jesus. Man, the hope is that the grace and and, and gospel would grow and multiply in our hearts and then that would become a force for good in the world around us. Church, we cannot just grow in strength in silos that don't go out. We are to grow in the love of Jesus to then shine it to the world. Remember, we are, the church is the light of the world and there's gonna be some dark days that are gonna need that light to shine out in it but you are going to have to be strengthened to do it. Hebrews 2, verse 1. All of that other stuff was just my intro. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. Church, the book of Hebrews was written to a group of Christians in other churches. This church found found themselves in life situations that weren't awesome. The script of their life wasn't going the way that they wanted. They were in trials and stress and, and, and difficulty and in pain. And it was heavy and it was rough for them. And in that moment where things were going sideways on them, their faith wasn't gone, but it was being tried. And that is where the author writes to them these words that are for you and for me right now. He says, in the middle of the storm that you are in, in the middle of the fear, in the middle of the doubt, in the middle of your worry and your strife and your, and your questions and in your anxiety, in the middle of all that is the exact spot where you need to pay closer attention to what you have heard, which is a reference to the gospel, the good news of Jesus. The author is imploring the church to not retreat from what is true in hardship, but to lean into it and let it surround you, encompass you, and let it swallow you. Let the truth wash over you in the middle of the storm. I've got to say it clearly. This is not law. The author isn't saying, okay, well, even though life sucks for you right now, try really, really hard to remember the gospel or else. No, the author is calling the church to remember, especially in the storms of life, the message that they heard before, which is this, Jesus has done it all already for you. It was accomplished before COVID, it's accomplished during COVID, and it'll be accomplished after COVID. Lean into that reality. It is finished in him. He lived the perfect life. So you don't have to when things are going off the rails right now. it's still okay. He paid the price for your sins, so you don't need to. He was acceptable to God, so you don't have to to wallow in your shame when you see your insecurities anymore. In each and every way that you fall short, Jesus did not. And on the cross, he made a way to transfer that perfection onto you. The author is lovingly saying, hard situations and trials and storms in life in those things all the more we should believe in what christ has accomplished why because it's crazy enough out there in the middle of the storm in the middle of the uncertainty in the middle of pain that we find hold on be anchored be uh, be, be immovable in what is true in jesus it is finished hold on to that when everything else seems like it's going sideways If you notice, the author gives a reason for this. Why is he saying, be careful to pay attention? He says, if you don't, you're going to drift away. This drifting away is a reference to a boat that isn't anchored. Imagine that you have a boat and you sail that boat into a cove. It seems calm. It seems safe. I'm just gonna, you're just going to set up there for the night and you go down into the, the hole of the, the ship to sleep. And though it is slow, the wind blows and the, 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 the currents are moving and the tide swells. And slowly but surely, you find yourself and that boat out on open water in no time at all. You find yourself in a place that you never, ever meant to go. This is what he's talking about. He isn't saying if you don't work hard to remember the gospel of Jesus that you will lose your salvation or the blessings that you have will be taken from you. That's not what he's saying. He's actually saying... That if in difficult times, we stop looking at what is true in Christ, that we will begin to start looking for truth elsewhere around us. We'll begin to look for salvation, for joy, for peace, for meaning, for comfort in all of these other places around us, and they will never actually give it. So the author is lovingly saying, you already have everything accomplished in Jesus. Focus on that. Everything you need is right there. Hold on to what is true. What these verses are saying are in trial. There's gonna be a lot of things that try and get our attention. A lot of things will try and get us to throw our lives into them, yet there's only one thing that can calm our hearts and fill our souls. It's Jesus. The one who's all in all and already completed it all for us, the author is not giving you work to do, He's trying to save you from anxiety by saying, remember the work that's already done. It's still finished. Church, there are a million things that could capture your heart right now. Endless news cycles. You could look at them all day long if you choose to. A black hole of social media. Countless other things. The message I have is the same as the author has. Right now in uncertain times, hold on to what is true. God is still God. Christ is still the redeemer to all who follow him. And there is an eternal hope in King Jesus' promise to one day fix all that has been broken, including sickness, which is the coronavirus. What a better time is there than right now to give yourself over to that truth, to submit to it, To work not to earn anything, but to see the beauty of what has been given to you. Let the truth of the gospel be the anchor to your soul. Let it be the light that leads you and guides you. And may it also be the hope that you shine into the darkness around you. I want to wrap this up by encouraging you. In the time that you have now in this season, seek the face of God. Fight to remember what is true and what's been done for you. That means that we're going to have to be really mindful of how we use our time. We created music uh, playlists and put them on our website really for a specific reason. So you could fill your homes and your cars with worship of God in a time that's crazy. We put up a lot of podcasts so you could focus on what is good and true. Dennis wrote several different devotionals to fill your heart with what is good. This sermon we're recording in an empty room so that you would hold to what is true. As you have the Bible and you still have prayer, even when so many other things are taken. I pray that you and I would grow in our desire right now to saturate our lives, to fill them to overflowing with gospel and worship and prayer. And that God would do something unimaginable through it. Friends, my hope is that God would bring revival through this. That his spirit would be poured out. And that we would be in awe. Friends, remember I had a conversation with a friend of mine. The God of the mountain is also the God of the valley. That means when things are normal and good or when things are rough for us, God is still on his throne and available and Jesus is still near. He is still the mighty king who promised you, I will never leave you or forsake you. When we struggle to believe that God is near in the valley, I want to remind us of what the gospel speaks over us eternally in Jesus. God has promised to one day destroy all the valleys. And then he died himself to make it true for us. What a beautiful promise that is. Throw yourself into that today. Let it flood your heart with peace. If you're listening, somehow you got this link and you're not a follower of Christ. I just want to tell you that this glorious gospel is for you. God is merciful and kind. The only thing that you need for salvation is to be a sinner, which we all kind of qualify. But in that, what better time to lean into and tell God, hey, I need you. The world is crazy out there. I have sinned and I don't know what to do with it. And you are the hope that I have. So would you save me? Would you reach out to him? What better time to put your hope and dependence in something solid than now? Many of you have questions about that, we'll put my email on here. Email me, reach out to me. I'd be happy to answer questions that you have. And I would really love to pray with you. If you're a follower of Christ, I would tell you what the next step for you is today. It's to fight to remember what is true. And the first step with that today is to enter into worship wherever you're at. We've created a worship guide. that's attached to these video notes. Download it, go through it. If you're alone, go through it alone. If you're with someone else, go through it with them. But I'm gonna press on you to say, turn the space that you're at into a sanctuary. Into a place where worship Abounds. we've even put the words there for you all you gotta do is click on the links it'll take you to a videos and the words are even there for some of you the idea of singing aloud and worship in your home is gonna be extremely awkward because the reality is you're gonna come face to face, face with, with the truth that you've never actually worshiped God in your home don't let that swallow you in shame just own it and dive into worship now And when you're done singing the songs that we have supplied today, spend some time in prayer asking God to deepen your faith in him right now. Asking Jesus to draw near and show you in a fresh way what he has done and how much he loves you. Guys, to be the church, all of a sudden we don't depend on an event, we engage in the events that Christians do, which most certainly is worship and prayer. So I would would press you, I would implore you Don't just end this video. Spend time worshiping God and give him access to move in your heart. And then spend time praying. Connect with him. Tell him the things that he already knows. I need you. I'm scared. This is crazy. Help me. Just enter into that with him. And see if he isn't so close. Friends, the church has been in weird spots before. I would encourage you to say, though it may not be our preference, it might be the best thing in the world for us. And even when chaos comes, the truth of Jesus is unfaced. Lean into that. Let that be your anchor. I want to pray for us. God, we've never done this before. Preaching with the sheep gone is weird for me and them listening to me is probably weird for them. God, I pray and ask, would you move? Holy Spirit, you can can do anything in our hearts. So I pray that you come now. For those who are anxious and scared and tired, I pray that you would overwhelm them with peace in you, that there would be tangible peace right now. To the hearts that have been distant from you, I pray that you begin to speak. In Jesus, you would be ever present and near to them. God, I pray for transformation. I pray for revival. Pour out your spirit upon your church and not just us, pour it out on your church in this time. God, I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that it would blow our minds in a time of uncertainty that we could be so fulfilled in you. Make it so, God. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Church, we'll continue to do these sermons. I love you. I look forward to the day we can gather together again. If you need anything, reach out. Just because the building is something we can't all be in together at the same time does not mean that we are not still in this together. Reach out. I love you, and I hope to see you again soon.